0: Well, this week we do wrap up our series, Throwing Shade, and some of you may not have been here the first week or the second week leading up to today, so what I would like to do right now is give a quick recap of where we've come from leading up to today. Well, in our first week, um, using the whole boxing theme for this series, we uh, talked about and actually defined throwing shade. Throwing shade is really just throwing verbal punches, if you will, in a way that disrespects or ridicules someone else. We've been using the theme of boxing and boxing terminology throughout this series for illustrative purposes. If we're honest with ourselves, we know that verbal punches are all around us this day and time. We find them in the workplace, in our neighborhoods, in the schools. We find them in our homes. We find them on TV. We find them on phones and computers and iPads. You just can't get away from it. These verbal punches that are often thrown with the attempt to disrespect or ridicule can hurt. And in the first week, we heard about several different punches that we can either throw or be the recipient of. The first one is a sucker punch. A sucker punch is gossip. And gossip can come to us out of nowhere. We can be on the receiving end of something, we can participate in it, we try to figure out how do we respond, or do we walk away, or what do we do? The second is the below the belt punch. The below the belt punch is a punch full of criticism. Most of the time undeserved, sometimes deserved, The third is the quick jab, which is sarcasm. Now, sarcasm is a light punch. It doesn't carry much weight behind it, but over time, even though it's a weak blow, over and over and over, that sarcasm is only funny to the person that's punching. (laughs) On the receiving end, it can be very, very hurtful. And then the knockout punch that comes from a fierce anger deep within our very souls. And it's meant to take somebody out, figuratively. If you haven't heard either of these messages, please go out to our website and and listen to the first two. Last week, Pastor Jeff had a great message. He was in the auditorium, and again, if you haven't heard it, go watch it and listen to it. He shared how words can be poison or fruit. They can be inspiring to us, or they can bring us down. He talked about how the source of some of these hard punches can come from deep within our very being. And in the scriptures, it's called, At Our Hearts— But the scripture's not talking about the muscle of the heart. It's talking about our very being, our emotions, our intellect, our desires, our passions, our volitions. It's a brokenness that we have within us. And that's what's wrong with the human condition. He shared that people who have been hurt often hurt other people. People who have been hurt often hurt other people. He reminded us that we have our Lord Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit that can help us control our words to change those hurtful words into sweet words of encouragement. The truth of the matter is, we have no control over the words and actions of others. When I was about five years old, five or six years old, I, first of all, was middle child, and I had two older brothers and two younger brothers. So what does a clue look like, right? But I was a feisty little thing, and I was always aggravating, especially my older brothers. I never will forget, one day, I got on my older brother Frank's last nerve, we were in the living room, and I remember that he reached over on a table and grabbed a candle about the size of this one. And when he raised it, I took off running, trying to find Mama through the house. He came after me with a vengeance, and he threw that candle and hit me in the back of the head. It hurt. I finally got to Mama, she stopped the fight. I wish I knew then what I know now about some techniques, techniques for protection, techniques to get out of his way when he was picking at me. A couple of weeks ago, Pastor Trevor went to Battle Boxing Gym, which is back behind Williams Bryce Stadium, and there he learned some really good information defensive techniques that boxers use in the ring. Let's take a couple of minutes and find out what he learned.
1: So we're downtown today with Kevin Brown at Battle Boxing Gym, and we're finding out what's it like taking a punch. Kevin. It's good to be with you. Thanks Thank for letting you. us come. Yes, sir. So, Kevin, if I'm gonna start boxing, I've never really boxed before, I don't know anything about boxing, but if I was gonna get in the ring with somebody, what do I have to work on right away to be able to take a punch? Yeah, cardio and conditioning is the key to everything. We don't let anybody start getting hit until they get their breathing under control a little bit. So once your cardio and conditioning is relatively good, we start the training process, that way you don't lose your hands from your face and your stomach. So the longer the fight goes, the hands come down. The hands down, come down, guys up. start wearing down, and, and then they lose their fundamentals. Move to your cheeks, and I'm gonna hit you with a jab and a right hand, softly. So I'm gonna put I'm gonna put the glove on my cheek, you yeah. that, that's the glove you're gonna punch? Yes, sir. So you're pretty much punching my cheek? Yeah, it's not gonna hurt. So, all right, you ready? <laughs> what do I have to protect? Like, what's the most vital thing for me to make yeah. sure it's protected? Jaw and equilibrium area kidney and liver so, yeah, you don't want to get hit in your jaw you don't want to get hit between your eyes and your ears And you don't want to get hit on the backside of your stomach because that's where really your kidney and liver so I've seen people in the ring get yeah. here multiple times yeah but here it's just it's crazy <laughs> That's how you block So uh, if uh, somebody's boxing in the ring, what are what are the mistakes they most likely make when it comes to defending themselves? Yeah, a lot of guys come in, they don't know a lot about boxing, they think they want to box with their hands down at their chest, trying to get them to keep their hands up. Mm. As you get tired, your hands drop, but the brain tells them they're right here. Uh-huh. so they really don't know. It's just getting the muscle memory to stay solid, elbows in, that's the hardest part at first. Go, good, do it again. Do it one more time, but a little bit faster. There you go. So Kevin, when it comes to boxing, what's more important? Is it being able to swing, or is it being able to defend? If you have good defense, you can turn an average guy into a decent boxer. You think you can turn me into a good boxer? I sure can. Alright, punch. Yes sir. Yeah. So I'm gonna hurt. So. All right. jab and then a jab right. Now hit. Good. If I hit the bar, you just roll with Jab. There you go. Good. Good. Nice. Beautiful. All right, there we go. That's how you're throwing up. We're kind of sweating though.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I didn't know they were sweating. <laughs> <laughs> Pastor Trevor's looking pretty good as a boxer right now. Um, I was thinking as I watched this this morning, if his day job as a pastor doesn't work out, he might not be a bad boxer, but better yet, if you ever watched MASH, you may remember that Father O'Reilly was a boxer and a priest, so, you know, he could do both. Just like a boxer needs to have good defense capabilities, the ability to take a punch So do we, as we find ourselves being hit by verbal punches that come at us from all directions in life. If you have your Bibles with you this morning, turn with me to Proverbs 26. We're going to be looking at some nuggets of wisdom from Proverbs that gives us principles of defense that will help each of us when we're on the receiving end of a punch especially a punch we don't deserve. There are four principles of defense that I'd like to share with you today. The first one is don't retaliate. Don't retaliate. Proverbs 26, the fourth verse, says, Don't answer the foolish arguments of fools, or you will become as foolish as as they are. When I read this scripture and marinated on it, I couldn't help but remember an experience I had in first grade. When I was in first grade, I was petite and a little bit on the skinny side. There was a boy in my class named Richard. And Richard was the class bully. And Richard would come at me and pick at me every day just about. And one day, I remember just as clear as if it was yesterday, that he came at me and said, you know what, you look like Popeye's girlfriend, olive oil. Well, being the feisty middle child with two older brothers and two younger brothers, I let him have it, not physically, but with words. I came back at him. And so the argument ensued between the two of us, and that carried on throughout the year in some way or fashion. And looking back on that experience, I thought, what a stupid thing for me to do is to come back at him— you know, from that silly comment. I started looking at commentaries on this particular verse 4, and I learned that the Hebrew word for fool figuratively means silly, while the word wise can mean cunning. Silly is a good interpretation of what is meant by this verse 4, because in this situation, to answer Richard's silly comment to me, should have never happened. In the Jewish commentary, they suggest that verse 4 applies to a full foolish, silly comment that can and should be ignored. But I would wager that all of us from time to time have had silly comments that have made to us, some of them feeling hurtful at the time, and maybe we've held on to those, talked them down. We've never forgotten those negative words, and that's the way negative comments can be. But to retaliate on something foolish or ridiculous— is just not good. It makes us as foolish as the person throwing that punch. In certain situations, you're better off not responding, even though those comments come at you undeserved. When I was in my 20s, Mike and I were living in Shreveport, Louisiana. And at the time, there were the Golden Gloves boxing that occurred in downtown Shreveport. And Mike and I would go to those boxing matches, it seemed like, every week. And that's where I met Sugar Ray Leonard when he was a Golden Gloves fighter. And oh, what a great young fighter he was. Now imagine this, Faye and Mike sitting on the front Row, I was so close. Sugar Ray was, it just seemed like he was like right there. So close that sweat and sometimes flecks of blood would end up on me. I enjoyed those fights. <laughs> I did. I did. It's a good way to get rid of your frustration, to tell you the truth. Anyway, during that time, the 70s was when Muhammad Ali became very famous, too. And I remember watching him box, both as Cassius Clay and Muhammad Ali. And what happened during that period of time, he came up against George Foreman. I'm pretty sure that was the fight. And George was coming at him in the early rounds, and so Muhammad just kind of leaned up against the ropes. Some of you may remember seeing that or saw a rerun of it. And so as Foreman went in the early rounds would come at him with some of those punches, he just leant against the ropes, and the ropes actually took the weight of the punch. So in essence, it was wearing George Foreman out in the early rounds so that later on in the fight, Muhammad could take him out, so to speak. That was later to be dubbed ropadope ropadope taking the punch letting a support from behind you take the weight of it now there are times when we do answer the fool when he throws a punch especially if it's a deep hurtful punch verbal punch When this happens, what we need to do is consider the source. Consider the source. In Proverbs, the very next verse, verse 5, says, be sure, be sure to answer the foolish argument of fools. Now you go, well, wait a minute, Pastor Faye. You just said in verse 4... Don't answer a fool. Don't retaliate. But now you're saying, from verse 5, be sure to answer the foolish argument of fools. What gives here? Now, it may look like this is a contradiction, but actually these two verses complement each other. There are times, of course, when you don't retaliate. My Richard story But there are times when you consider the source, you consider the hurtful comment that's going against your character or something that you believe in, and you know that that punch is coming and it's wrong, that you really need to answer that. A punch like this is when they're hitting you below the belt. Hitting you below the belt. And doing that can wreak havoc if it's unchecked by your response because it allows that person that's throwing that undeserved punch to think that they're the wise one, and they're not. There's a good example from Scripture that tells us how to respond when that tough punch comes at us undeserved. You might want to write this down in your notes to go back and read the chapter of 2 Corinthians 11. 2 Corinthians 11. Read that chapter. Because in that chapter, the Apostle Paul has to respond. He has to respond because you see, there's some false teachers that are trying to twist the gospel of Jesus Christ and lift themselves higher up than the Apostle Paul. And he can't stand by and let that happen. Of course he can't. What I'm pulling out now for you is a response that he gave, and it's uh, verses 23 through 27. Listen, I've worked much harder, been jailed more often, beaten up more times than I can count, and at death's door time after time. I've been flogged five times with the Jews' 39 lashes, beaten by Roman rods three times, pummeled with rocks once. I've been shipwrecked three times and immersed in the open sea for a night and a day. In hard traveling year in and year out, I've had to ford rivers, fend off robbers, struggle with friends, struggle with foes. I've been at risk in the city, at risk in the country, endangered by desert sun and sea storm, betrayed by those I thought were my brothers. I've known drudgery and hard labor, many a long and lonely night without sleep, many a missed meal, blasted by the cold, naked to the weather." Now, Paul felt it necessary to expose the cunning impostors, the false prophets, for whom they were. He answered these false apostles' claims so that they and others would see just how shallow and weak and wrong their claims were. Now, after giving this example, there's a caution here for us all. When we do find it necessary to respond to those hitting us below the belt, so to speak, coming at us out of left field, we need to speak that response as graciously as possible. My mama used to say to me, Faye, just stop and take a deep breath and count to ten before you answer somebody that's giving you an angry comment. My mama had good wisdom. The truth is, it is possible that in our haste to defend ourselves, we'll talk too much, we'll talk too soon, and with too much emotion at times. At those times, we need to speak the truth, state the facts as we know them and as we see them. Don't judge another person's heart even if they are unfairly judging your heart. And don't say anything in a heated moment that you will regret later. The fact is, your response might be for the right reason, but delivered in the wrong way. Given for the right reason, but delivered in the wrong way. You know, in truth, at least for me, sometimes the hardest situation is when we're dealing in family relationships. And although I have been right many times, my husband says if Faye is happy, everybody's happy. I've been right many times, and my response to a family member, including my husband, has been, well, a little bit less than loving at times. I've not taken my mother's wisdom in those moments and paused, taken a deep breath, counting to 10. I've not let my temperature and passion go down and cool off a little. And I've charged right into that discussion or argument or comment, just like a bull in a china shop. So there are times when we should not retaliate when those silly punches come at us, there are times when we do answer back and we consider the source of where that punch is coming from, what it's saying. But then there are also times, to use a boxing term, that we need to get out of the ring. We just need to get out. In other words, we walk away. We walk away. You know, some folks just don't fight fair even though you might answer them in truth and in wisdom and in calmness, their spirit is toxic and they don't want to listen. They want to live in that anger and lashing out all the time. And the most healthy thing to do in those situations is just to realize that you need appropriate boundaries and to walk away from it. This kind of situation comes up in family with our neighbors, co-workers, in schools, and yes even in the church. Someone on staff here not too terribly long ago had a situation where someone who had been worshiping here came to her and started Giving some punches that were undeserved, throwing unjustified punches at her. And here's what she said. I was very proud of her. She said, As much as it pains me to say this, I cannot listen to your hurtful, undeserved comments which are untrue, any longer, and I just need to walk away. And she did. With all of this said, there's one more principle of defense that is very important in life when those undeserved punches come to us. If you'll turn now a page or so over to Proverbs 27, and we're going to be looking at verses 5 and 6. An open rebuke is better than hidden love. Wounds from a sincere friend are better than many kisses from an enemy. I've heard it said... I'd rather be stabbed in the front by a friend than stabbed in the back by an enemy. I have a good friend that I've known for many years, and this friend always has my best interest at heart. Now, she'll give me some constructive advice, coaching at times, and sometimes it hurts. Truth can hurt sometimes, but sometimes we need to hear it. But I know, because I know her so well, that what she shares with me, she shares because she really cares about me. She is who I think about when I read these verses in Proverbs 27. In boxing terms, she would be considered the corner man, the corner man. If you know anything about boxing, you've got to have a good corner man. And I would offer to you, find your corner man. Better yet, find some people to be in your corner. (laughs) Because there are going to be times that you're going to need some good friends in your corner. Because of what's coming at you. Now, the corner man in boxing is a guy that, between rounds, wipes your face, gives you some water, maybe tends to a cut that you have, and then gives you some good coaching and counsel to prepare you for the next round in boxing, both defensive as well as offensive moves. One of our great core values here is better together together. What better way to be together than to have a support of some people in your corner? And I would offer to you, being in a small group is a great way to have good people in your corner. I don't know what Mike and I would have done when our son died almost five years ago without our small group. They surrounded us, nurtured us, supported us at that time. And then just three years ago, Mike had a massive heart attack. And again, the small group came around us. You as a congregation did as well. But my point being, if you do life together in a small group, that small group can give you the support that you need when you need it, speak truth to you when you need to hear it, coach you at times when you need that, and send you out better prepared to receive those punches when they come at you in life, which they will. Today, after the service, you'll have an opportunity to sign up with a small group if you aren't already in one. There are tables just out front with names of the various small groups you can consider. But if one of those just doesn't suit your lifestyle— Joe Walker has offered and she is over in the West Building under a banner that says Better Together to answer any questions that you may have. You can also go out to our website and do a survey about yourself and stage of life and she will help you get connected with a small group. In boxing, Muhammad Ali had a good corner man. It was Drew Bundin. Tyson had Cus D'Amato, and Foreman had Angelo Dundee, and Angelo Dundee was also a corner man for Mohammed and a few other fighters as well in their careers. These were great corner men. As Christians, we have the best corner man, and our best corner man is the Holy Spirit. Jesus said in John 14 26, but when the father sends the advocate as my representative, that is the Holy Spirit, he will teach you everything and will remind you of everything that I have told you. So as we wrap up this series, we realize we don't have a choice in who and how a punch will be thrown to and at us, but we do know how to deal with them now based on these beautiful scriptures from Proverbs, that wise counsel from the living scriptures, but also knowing that we have the power of the Holy Spirit living and breathing in and through us to nudge and give us the nudging and wisdom that we need as we face this life of punches coming at us. Would you pray with me? Lord, we come before you today knowing that life is hard. And we know you know life is hard. And we're going to be hit with punches from time to time, whether it's sarcasm, gossip, criticism, below-the-belt punches. Sometimes we feel like we're literally being knocked out with a punch that's so hurtful, verbal punches that come at us that we just don't deserve. Lord, help us remember your wisdom, your wisdom from these scriptures, your wisdom that we don't face this life and these punches that come at us alone. For we have you and the power of your Holy Spirit to always be with us, always with us. We ask you to continue to nudge us, to be with us, to protect us, to give us the wisdom when we need it. For it's in Christ's name we pray, amen.